took a big chunk bleeding. It's bleeding. I know it's bleeding. The thing just ripped me ear off. What do you think? Hello again, and welcome along to another Eddie and Steve-O, the podcast. Now, it's a slightly different feel to the programme this week, because my old mate is now 12,000 miles away back home in Australia after flying down under last weekend. Well, I say back home, he's actually locked up in a local hotel in Sydney. More of that in a minute. But the fact that he's in the hotel... He's reading all the newspapers and he's been keeping tabs on what's happening in the big, wide, wonderful world of rugby league on both sides of the world now. So let's get straight into it. Steve-O, I know you're suffering from jet lag. Good of you to stay awake for this. But let's look back to the semi-finals last week, first of all. Saints and Wigan made it to the grand final. Let's just hope for a cracking game, eh? Yeah, I was disappointed with the quality of the semi-finals, but... It didn't come as a surprise to me, Eddie, because of the fact that a lot of the players have had to be playing, you know, through this pandemic season. They've been playing, you know, sometimes three games in the space of seven, eight days. And St. Helens and Wigan, to me, have got the better sides. They've also got more depth. So it's no surprise to anybody that they are in the grand final. I think everybody would have sort of tipped that early. Absolutely. And it's probably the match that, that, that the competition needs this year after the, the year that we have had. I think that the one, the one outstanding fact is that, that, that neither St. Helens or Wigan conceded a try in their semi-finals. They, all they conceded were penalty each. So is it going to be a defensively uh, dominated game on Friday night, do you think? I think both coaches are trying to give that indication. Obviously, they say good defence makes you win games and it does but they've got so much talent especially out in the three-quarter line I think St. Helens perhaps will be on top in the forwards but there's not much to prove between the three quarters and it should be a cracking game well we've all got our fingers crossed and we look ahead to the grand final in more depth a little bit later on in those semi-finals um Josh Griffin of Hull, he, he went over and belted Oliver Partington on the head after Scott Taylor's uh, tackle forced a turnover 12 metres from the, the Wigan line. It changed the course of the game, didn't it? Uh, they were 2-0 up. Wigan, though, after that, they grew an extra leg. They never looked back, did they? Well, I look at the refereeing yet again, Eddie. I'm, I'm bitterly disappointed with the quality of the refereeing at this, this point in time, especially... It looked as though Hull really were sort of getting into that game. They were controlling it. And then they just seemed to fall apart. I'm not taking anything away from the opposition because they played outstandingly well. But once you get that little twist in the game, it can help them. You know I don't like referees, Eddie. I hate them with a vengeance. <laughs> and last week, I called for the man, the referee, Chris Kendall, for not sending off McAlorum. He should be dropped. And what have they gone and done? They've tapped him on the head and given him the grand final. I can't, I can't work it out. Well, they will say, 
and obviously they will say, because he's got the grand final, that, that he is the best referee knocking around at the moment. So they plainly don't agree with your view. Well, if you ask some of the Salford fans, that same bloke, they thought that it was against Salford in the Challenge Cup final. I just can't... Why is Chris Kendall going to be the best of them all when he misses so much and then penalises something for what players have done through the entire game? You know, play the ball a little bit slower or whatever. And that was a turning point uh, against Leeds and, and Salford at the ter- at Wembley. And I, 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 I can't believe that, that they, they picked a man who, well, he bottled it. I think that's the only word I can say. Chris Kendall bottled it and so did the video referee. And I still claim they should have both been dropped. But I, I, who's in charge of the referees? That's what I'd like to know now, to well, come up a, with something like that. It's a good question because I understand that Steve Ganson is uh, off ill at the moment. Nobody seems to know uh, what he's got and what's happened. But um, uh, I don't think it's coronavirus related. But I don't know who's making the appointments. Chris Kendall got the grand final last year. Salford supporters on social media complaining about him again this year, about he didn't give them the fair rub of the green. Uh, Salford in the Challenge Cup final this year, as you say, Liam Moore, the referee that day, penalised them for a technical offence, cost them the, the Challenge Cup. There's a lot of people on social media sounding a bit like you, Steve, if I'm honest. You know, the whinging and moaning before the event. Well, I'm only trying to get common sense. I'm trying to find out why on earth he should be rewarded with it. I mean, Brad Dwyer, his face, there was blood all over his face, and they couldn't, do, they couldn't make a decision. He didn't even... I mean, we, we mentioned it, that Caesar kicked the ball in frustration, frustration. He gets 10 minutes in the sin bin. And yet here we have the same referee, Chris Kendall, who said he wasn't the referee with the Caesar incident, mind you. But Chris Kendall then doesn't do anything about it. And it, to me, it just changed the game. Le- Leeds could have had a good chance, especially with only 12 players on. And when, when there was another incident later on, right... They could have been down to 11 players. Now, that's a great advantage. I'm not saying that Leeds would have won the game, but that's the sort of incidents that really frustrate the fans. OK, let's move on to something happier, and that is the Man of Steel, <laughs> the Man of Steel Awards that were held earlier this week. The Steve Prescott MBE Man of Steel 2020, Paul McShane. Now, as chairman of the Hookers Union, you must be absolutely delighted. I am. And I think it's fully deserved because he he has been the trailblazer, especially early in the season. He has been outstanding. You talk about a man that wants to put 100% in each and every single game. And I think it's a tremendous reward for his effort. I mean, here is a guy that was looking down the barrel of doing sort of semi-professional Perhaps he didn't think he had the, the, the power and the wherewithal to make it to the top grade. And he's, he's done it. And I, I've got to give a lot of praise as well to, to Powell, his coach. You know, Powell must have put him, put him to one side, given him the confidence, and he has played out of his skin. I was fully, I was happy, happy as anything. And it didn't take much for me not to be happy. <laughs> I'm not so sure about that if people have been listening to you ranting about the referees for 30 years. 
But anyway, he beat off some competition, didn't he? A uh, Aiden Caesar, Bevan French, Liam Farrell of Wigan, Lachlan Coote. He played every game this year, though, did uh, did Paul McShane, in a side that uh, frankly struggled to uh, to reach the heights that they showed a few years ago. Yeah, it was uh, it was outstanding, and it didn't surprise me. Uh, though I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been, uh, sort of quarrelled about any yeah. of the others to, who who maybe would have been given the award. I was very very happy that it was Hawker, but uh, any of those that were this, uh, highlighted. Um, they all played exceptionally well throughout the season, but I think uh, they picked the right the right man. I'm delighted too that he's a Brit. I thought I would think as well. You know, British player wins the British award, which uh, I always love to hear, love to see. Hang on, I'm just pulling up the Union Jack now. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's out of the hotel window, and the Australians are totally confused. What on earth is the Union Jack doing out my window? <laughs> well, you better get it down off the flagpole straight away because Adrian Lamb. Uh, okay, uh, not an Australian we know from Papua New Guinea, but he has carved his career in the Aussie game. Adrian Lamb, the coach of the year, and going for the big double now on Friday night. Yeah, I've got no qualms about that. None whatsoever. He's, uh, he's, he's done a good job. And a lot of people perhaps thought that when he got the appointment, they said, well, you know, has he got the experience or whatever? But he's, uh, he's shown very, very how much confidence he's got in his players and he obviously can pass that on to the players because it, it's not just about coaching with different tactics or whatever it's also about the, having that psychology about getting the best out of players and he's obviously done that yes he has and uh, as I say going for the big double on Friday night congratulations also to the joint winners of the Spirit of Rugby League award uh, the two greats who we've spoken about many times already this year, uh, and they're writing their names hugely in the history books, Rob Burrow and Mossy Masoy. Mossy, of course, who will deliver the match ball for the grand final on Friday. Fabulous award, you, this. Fabulous award. Yeah, unbelievable. And uh, I do appreciate what the people who are organising the Man of Steel, the way that they've done it. I think it's a great tribute to two great rugby league players, who have shown a lot of spirit and courage and still will be doing so, hopefully for many, many years to come. It, it is, we talked about the fact that who's in charge of the referees and, and maybe not doing the right thing, but whoever was in charge of the awards, congratulations, they picked two of the great players. Indeed so. Uh, and, uh, you know, two great names who will no doubt highlight uh, the season on Friday night. Off the field. OK, uh, well, it's Wigan Saints in the 2020-2020 Betfred Super League Grand Final on Friday. We look ahead to the Grand Final in more depth in a minute or two. Uh, first, though, it's time for you to try and beat the brain and the brain of the brainiest man in rugby league, the one and only Ian Proctor. Two questions last week as usual. The first one was based on the State of Origin Decider played in Brisbane last week. Ian asked you to name the three Queenslanders who made their debuts in the Sydney Decider last year. So, Ian, it's over to you for the answer. They were Corey Norman, Ethan Lowe 
and Christian Welsh. And just as an aside, I asked you who was the last New South Wales player to make his debut in a decider. And it was Boyd Cordner in 2013 in Sydney. So there we go, Steve-O. Now we know Norman Lowe, <laughs> Welsh and Cordner, of course. You knew that all along, didn't you? Uh, I got two out of the three. <laughs> well, I hope you got two out of the four because there's four names mentioned there. Did you get Cordner as well? No. No. <laughs> okay. No, I, no, I didn't. No, I thought so. The, guy, the guy's amazing. He is. And if you thought that one was difficult, the second question, this is Proker's weekly stinker, centred around the four clubs playing in the Super League semi-finals last weekend. He wanted the names of the four men who have played most playoff football for the clubs involved. Wigan... Hull, St Helens, and Catalan. Any any clues for the steamer before we get the answers? Uh, well, off the top of my head, uh, the, there's there's two that stand out. I think you'd have to say Hull-Lachlan from Wigan and and Wellens, Wellens St Helens. They're, they're the only two that come to mind. Okay, let's see if you're right. Prockers, back to you. So it was Wigan and it was Sean O'Loughlin who had 36 at that time. He's now got 37. For Hull, it was Richard Horn with 16 appearances in playoff football. For St Helens, it's Paul Wellens with 40 playoff appearances. And for Catalan, it was Thomas Bosk with 13 appearances in playoff football. OK, now to this week's... Easier, easier. I, I can't believe I say that. Easier brain teaser <laughs> centred around the big game this weekend. So it's obviously about the grand final with the grand final looming at Hull on Friday between Wigan and Saints. And the first question is about the longest playing span between grand finals. Currently, three players hold the record at 15 years between their first grand final and their last one of them is Sean O'Loughlin, who will break that record and take it to 17 years if he plays on Friday. But who are the only two other players who played grand finals 15 years apart, apart from Sean O'Loughlin? Well, Steve, our first grand final was 1998. Your last was in 2016. My last was in 2018. And we remember each and every one of them, don't we? Every game, yeah. Have, have every you, move, have you, every move, every try scorer. Have you got a Have you got a favourite moment from the grand final? Uh, I'd have to say that, that there's two actually. I think the drop goal from Sean Long was outstanding under a lot of pressure, and also the first one when Robinson, right from the wing, jinked his way through and dived underneath the sticks, and that epitomised it to me. And I'm thinking. The grand final at Old Trafford. I know it's not going to be there this this year, but it really brought the tension and the excitement. And when he dived over, the way that the crowd just reacted was just sensational. And I can remember thinking to myself, the grand final here will be a huge success. And it proved to be that. It certainly did. It certainly did. OK, we, we've had the easy question. Now for this week's stinker. 
So can you name the Australian who played for two clubs at Old Trafford in grand finals and the New Zealander who played for two clubs in grand finals at Old Trafford? And can you name three players who scored tries for two different clubs in the Super League grand final? And only Ian Proctor can come up with gems like that. His record books and research are second to none. An Aussie and a Kiwi who played for two clubs at Old Trafford in the grand final and the three men who scored tries for two different clubs on the big night. Steve, I've not got a clue. Oh, well, just give me a few minutes. I'll probably get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, well, it'll be a week and we'll find out whether you did. Answers, of course, next week when we'll be looking back on the grand final. But now it's time to look forward to Hull on Friday night at eight in some detail as the two greatest rivals in the game, Wigan and Saints, clash at the KCON Stadium. You know, Steve, the league ladder doesn't lie, does it? We've got the two best teams, one and two, in the competition going head to head again. It's difficult to pick out the winner. Uh, because you mentioned the fact that uh, their defence, uh, especially in the semi-finals, they were just outstanding, both Wigan and Saints. And I think it could come down to maybe just one mistake. It usually does occur somewhere through the, the game itself, a drop ball or a missed tackle. Or just a bad decision one... from a referee. Well, yeah, don't get me going on that again. Uh, and, and I do hope that uh, Kendall is in top form because he'll need to be. Uh, I, I just hate it to think that in a grand final that a, a decision from a referee could just change the game and spoil it. Well, generally, we, generally in finals, think, though, Steve-O, don't they? They let a lot go. The referees let a lot go, a lot more than they do in the weekly rounds and in the rounds leading up to a Wembley final, for instance. Well, let's hope they do. I mean, both, both outfits have got fantastic three-quarter lines. I think Saints just have it over Wigan in the forwards. Uh, but I can't really pick the three-quarter line whether... Whether it will come down to just one error, one drop ball, maybe you know the fullback just missing the high kick, it'll all come down to that. It normally Bevan, does. Bevan French and Zach Hardacre, look out then. This is the uh, this is the twenty third grand final, the fourth time that these two have met in a grand final. It's two one in Saint Helen's favour, and Saints are the reigning champions. Fifteen league titles in all. We're going to make it sixteen then. Uh, if I was a betting man, which I'm not, uh, I think I'd, I'd have a few shillings on St. Helens. But it wouldn't surprise me if Wigan fought the way back. I think Wigan, they learned a, a, a bit of lesson when they were beaten in the semi-final by Leeds in the Challenge Cup. And Adrian Lamb realises that uh, you know they just weren't up to it on that particular day. And I reckon he will have rammed it into their brains all this week, saying... This is what we have to do, and we have to concentrate onto it. Uh, as you mentioned, that the defence is solid on both sides. I think it's going to be one of the best grand finals ever. Well, let's hope so. Fingers crossed for that. And remember that the two teams actually about four or five weeks ago produced the best match of this season so far when Wigan beat St. Helens, a result that made them the league leaders and took the shield. So, you know, the, the, the history is there. Well, yeah, and also the fact that it, it made it quite clear to everybody that you didn't have to be Einstein to work out the fact that Wigan and Saints were going to make it to the grand final. 
because they, they showed on that day how they can play both sides. And same thing again, you know, the coach will be working on some just one little move that could just turn the game. But I hate to keep saying it, it'll come down to some mistake. One mistake, missed tackle, drop ball, it normally <laughs> does. You are the harbinger of doom. You really, you really are. They used to say I spreaded the doom dust around Sky Sports and the in the rugby league team. You've taken I'm already, over. Try, I'm already trying to be honest. <laughs> you, you asked me, you asked me what I what I think, and that's what I think. Grand final experience might come down to that. Thirteen of this year's squad for St Helens played in the grand final twelve months ago. Wigan. 2018, they were last at the grand final. I make it about eight or nine. So there's not much between the two of them. No. And uh, what, you've got to look at the fact that, uh, you know, two great players will be playing their, their final game. Yes. After wonderful careers. Uh, they they perhaps will start, won't start the game. I think both of them will be on the bench. That's and, O'Loughlin for Wigan and uh, James Graham for, uh, for St. Helens. That's right. About. Yeah. Uh, there, there is a little bit of doubt about Graham, but uh, the St. Helens club seem to think that he's got over the the injury and that he, he will be part of the squad. I just can't see them both starting, but won't it be a great, well, a, a great feeling for both those legends of our game when they do come off the subs bench and make it onto the onto the ground? Yes, it would be wonderful. A fantastic place to uh, to have your your last dance. What a shame, though, that there's not going to be 70-odd thousand at Old Trafford to see it. Hey-ho, you know, we just have to live with what we've got. Yeah, and I think I think everybody concerned there have, have done a, a marvellous job. And I take my hat off to all the players involved. They had to, you know, self-isolate and do the right thing, be away from their families. It hasn't been easy. And I'm glad that the Super League and RFL have made a decision that they're gonna, they pushed the start of next season back. Let's hope it, it starts in April, because it's not just getting over the physical side of it. There's also a bit of the mental stress that come into it. Having to be away and in isolation is not easy. I know that because I, I'm in, uh, I'm in a, a hotel room where I can't even go out into the corridor. Oh, they yeah. just knock, they knock on the door, Eddie, and leave you the food. And then when you finish it, you you put what's left outside. You see nobody. Uh, and to help you, they have a psychologist ring you twice a day. Oh, God, I bet, I bet if they're ringing you twice a day, that's a call and a half. Believe it or not. Uh, well, uh, one, one kind lady said, would you like me to ring four or five times a day? She was she was concerned. It's uh, it, it's. It's very difficult, I can assure you. It, it's like being in a prison. But even if you're in a prison, you can get fresh air. You just cannot go out of your room for 14 days. Simple. And that's the major reason why we don't have so many cases of COVID in this country. And it's only yesterday that they have decided to open the two borders between Queensland and New South Wales, and also New South Wales and Victoria. And that's how keen they are. I mean, everything has been done uh, with military precision. 
and I, I take my hat off to them. You know, it's uh, when I when I got off the plane in Sydney, uh, we were under control of of the uh, the armed forces. They took away your luggage, they took everything, they put you onto a onto a bus. You didn't know where you were going. They took us to the hotel. You booked in at the hotel one by one. You only came off one by one off the bus. Everything was just so precision. It was it was outstanding. They even have a guard outside the corridor. If if I wanted to make a sprint for it, they'd probably shoot me. <laughs> <laughs> hang on, hang on. There are so many people now saying, yeah. "Open the door, Steve, and have a run." <laughs> Honestly, well, I tell yeah, you what, yeah. they have they have done a fantastic job. You're painting a very bleak picture of your return to Australia. Where are you? Where are you talking to me from now? <laughs> I'm at the Sydney Hilton. There you go. Five, five stars. Five stars. Now, there now, you wait, go. wait on. Wait on. Everybody knows that you're a snob. Yes. Right? So you, you would have demanded to come to the Hilton. And you I didn't? And you I didn't? had no say. I had no say. In it. Don't no give say me. whatsoever. Don't give me. And I tell you what, you obviously, whether you're a Yorkshireman or not, this this Wi-Fi signal from Australia is better than your Wi-Fi uh, signal from London. So you've obviously spent a fortune on it. <laughs> hey, listen, it cost me it cost me thirty quid just for these earphones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to know you've not lost your sense of humour. I'm glad to know that you're living in the land of luxury, getting meals delivered to you three times a day. What's the wine like? Have you, have you put the order in for the, the Sauvignon Blanc, have you? I'm fortunate. I'm fortunate, I'll tell you. It's, uh, but as I say, it's, uh, it's, a strange, it's a strange experience. I bet it is. And, and you've got uh, nine, get, nine and, days to go, haven't you? Yeah, and we, we, you know, with ten actually, um, and we were we were laughing in regards to you know, you have a, a psychologist get in front to to ring you every day, and quite frankly, you need it. I bet you do. You, you yeah, you, you you need this release. Well, I feel like your psychologist now talking to you for this long. Uh, last word, grand final Friday. Uh, you're favouring St Helens. Are they going to win it? I think so, but. It wouldn't surprise me if, if we can just snuck through that before. But there's plenty going on down in Australia as well, you know, Eddie. I know the season's finished. Oh, of down course, here, that's but, right. That's right. You're listening, look, listening yeah. to all the gossip, you're reading all the papers. What's happening? Well, I, I tell you, I, a lot of uh, players who, who were playing in the UK, Albert Kelly is one who played for both the whole sides, uh, FC and, and KR. And now he's joined the Brisbane Broncos on what they call a train and trial contract. And they're very keen to, to sort of get him down to a contract only for one year. But it just, it, it just indicates that, uh, you know, Brisbane are trying to get a very good squad. Even so, that they've also made a, a play for David Mead, who plays for the Catalan Dragons. Oh, wow. And yeah, and uh, Kevin Walters says, "Look, he knows that he's 32 years of age, but he wants to give the squad some experience because the the Broncos have got a three-quarter line that's very, very young. The North Queensland Cowboys, they are desperate to find a playmaker after they've lost this young gun, where everybody says is going to be absolutely brilliant, a guy called Jake Clifford, and surprisingly, he's signed for Newcastle Knights." So the Cowboys are desperate to get someone who's be a playmaker. 
Now, according to his manager, Widdop's management has made an approach to Warrington, and Warrington says, yes, you can ask around and see if you want any of the clubs want him. Well, evidently, North Queensland Cowboys are the ones that have put their hand up and said, let's see if we can make a deal. The only problem is, is that I know that Widdop is on a huge amount of money on that three-year contract with the Warrington Wolves. So don't get too upset, Eddie. <laughs> you know, you won't upset me. You'll upset all the Warrington again. A fortnight ago, you had Steve Price being shown the door, and now Gareth Widdop's on his way. Well, I'm, I'm only... Th these are all rumours. Oh, yes, yes, yeah. All rumours, yeah. Listen, you You, you, you understand. start them all. You start them all. No, I don't. You, you must understand, Eddie, that... Uh, the media down here uh, about rugby league is similar to what the media is in England in regards to football, soccer, as we call it down here in Aussie. And it's just amazing the amount of information that comes out every single day. Rumours about he's going there, the coach has been sacked, etc. and so forth. And it will continue on because it's such, it's a hub of the best rugby league in the world, especially in Sydney. And the media here, they just go crackers on it. And even though they've stopped playing, I can guarantee you'll get three or four pages full in the newspapers of rugby league. Well, that's good news for you because you've got nothing else better to do. Read all of that. <laughs> and hopefully you'll pay the bill for another session on Wi-Fi uh, same time next week, will you? Will we, we we'll look back on the grand final next week? Are you going to be able to make it? What's on your diary? Are you busy or what are you doing? You're going for a run, being chased by the guard, or what's happening? Listen, I have done fifty uh, lengths, fifty of, laps, of, <laughs> no, fifty lengths of my room, which I can tell you is is eight yards long. <laughs> <laughs> so that's four hundred yards I do every single day. Wow, wow! You'll yeah, be I'd... you'll be slimmer than slim. <laughs> no, it's a, listen, uh, as I say, the psychologists, uh, they're very, very good. They give you all the exercises and uh, not just physically, but, you know, to, to get your brain working, which, which must be pretty difficult for them. <laughs> uh, well, exactly. I'm going to say anyone who's got the fact that they've been Steve-O psychologist for the last two weeks on their CV <laughs> when all this is over, uh, they can look forward to a really, really bright future. Look, great to talk to you again. Glad to know you're okay. Get back to bed. You know, I know you're suffering jet lag. You need a bit of sleep. So look after yourselves. Yep. Take care. And you.